Hello and welcome to Is There There There, the podcast from Graphic Machine that goes beneath the surface of marketing to tell you what's going on and why you should care and why it matters to your marketing effort. I am Patience Jones. With me is my partner, Brian Jones. Hello. So today we are talking about, well, this is the without interruption edition. Not to be interrupted. Not to be interrupted. I just (laughs) interrupted myself. Also, caveat to the listeners, I am on some serious allergy medication at the moment. So don't hold anything that I say against me today. Other times you can. Don't try this at home. But not today. Message. do, Do not try this at home. Without interruption. So... For those of us who are a little bit older, you remember when they would have, um, at least in the States, they would have programs on TV that were commercial free. And it was usually something like like a Muppet movie or Sound of Music. And it would say at the beginning and the end, um, this program is brought to you without interruption by. And for, then it was like a foundation. For the 2016 edition, that would be subscribing to the Hulu uh, portion <laughs> that is not have commercials just to bring it, bring it forward a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like back when we lived in the cave and you'd hold your lantern up and they wouldn't interrupt the hieroglyphics puppet shows. Yes. Without interruption, that's where the title comes from because we all feel very fondly about the non-advertising special movies. Are there other instances where not having advertising is actually beneficial? And if you were to advertise, it would in fact be counterproductive. And we want to make sure we understand the difference between advertising and marketing. Advertising would be the buying of ads, placing of ads, and marketing includes advertising but is not limited to advertising. So just one tactic. Just it's just one tactic. Just one, just one lonely little tactic. Brian, can you think of instances in which <laughs> one It's a loaded question. One might <laughs> your answer has to be yes. When one might not want to advertise. Well, it seems like there are a fair number of service, uh, professional service industries where advertising over the years has been seen as a not necessarily a positive, and that can often limit you to the kind of client that you can attract. It can make it seem like you're not as professional as other people. An so, example it might be, yeah. you know, like accounting firms or law firms or doctors. Those I think are typical ones that have not historically always advertised or when they do aren't necessarily seen in the most favorable light. So like, give me an example. So like if you went to your general practitioner and you had a uh, medical doctor and that person was advertising in a magazine, would you feel more, would you feel like they were as good at their job if they were advertising in a magazine as if they weren't? And the traditional model, at least in my mind, is that the doctor that doesn't advertise is somehow better. And the doctor that has to advertise is somehow desperate and needs your business. And we're presuming the magazine is not something that's like really super cool. Right. It's not like juxtapose or something. Right. Exactly. Okay. Now we're sort of stuck in a new model where you have all these options to communicate with people that you might want to have as clients or customers. And is it still true that no advertising is the right answer or do the same adages still hold true? Part of that answer, I think, uh, goes to the different mechanisms by which advertising happens. Traditionally, there was print advertising. And then when TV came around, there were TV ads and radio ads. Now we can do Facebook ads and we can do retargeting. I think for purposes of this conversation, we're not necessarily talking about those things. True. Maybe as more of a... Mindset. Yeah. 
Exactly. So describe, if I were to say to you, okay, lawyer ad, like ad for a lawyer, what do you see in your mind? In my mind, it's the ad that you see on the back of a park bench, usually outside the courthouse. Just not, It doesn't necessarily uh, instill that you're getting the highest quality representations. Really about demand, because when you come out after your bail hearing, you got you to gotta hit them right where they are. And, you know, there is a, there is a, that is a need and it is yeah. needed. And so uh, to grow your business, it's how do you make that leap? If you open that door, can you close it again or should you? That's kind of it. Because it's the fact of doing it. Right. Like it's the fact that you're on a park bench and you could have the nicest ad in the whole world. It's still on a park bench next to a trash can. Trash adjacent. <laughs> All I can think of now is Tobias Fuque. Yeah. If you're in a profession and it sounds like this is primarily a problem faced by people who are providing professional services. Like, I would say, yeah, more often than not. So if you're in a profession, how do you decide whether you should be advertising? And if you're not advertising, then what do you do? to attract clients, to build your reputation? Historically, it's definitely been a referral-based industry. And I use the term industry loosely, not to mean a particular industry, but the idea of professional services. And that can really lead you down to one type of client. It could mean that if that particular group of people is not needing your service at that moment, you don't have a lot of clients. It can make it very difficult to diversify. And that's because usually word of mouth is people talking to their friends, right. their colleagues, like attracts like. Exactly. So you're, you're, once you meet one person, you're going to get introduced to five or 10 people that are probably in the same arena. Right. Which sometimes can be amazing. By being reliant on word of mouth, you don't feel necessarily like you're always in control of the the forward motion of your business. And mm -hmm. then it seems like maybe the only other tactic is using advertising. And that's sort of where, where things were. And I think where things are now is that there are a multitude of ways to begin to get in front of people in a way where it doesn't feel like an advertisement, but it feels more like something that you could really be helpful or useful or not necessarily feel make you feel like you're diminishing your talents. At my old firm, they never, ever, ever advertised. It was just considered so gauche. And it's what you did if you were really bottom of the barrel lawyer, which I'm not, I don't think is true, but that was the perception. But they did market and they marketed by going to events, sponsoring charity events and tables and showing up at things. And what that kind of taught me early on in my career was that if what you're selling is a relationship, then that's how you have to be quote unquote advertising or marketing. If I'm looking for a hammer, I just want to buy a hammer. I'm not going to have to have repeated conversations with somebody, be dealing with them over and over again. If I'm dealing with somebody like a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer, that's somebody that I'm going to be talking to more than once. I'm going to be having perhaps embarrassing conversations with them or personal conversations. I'm not buying their office space or their... It's an aspect, but it's not the total... It's right. It's not the sum total of everything. I, I agree. For me, where it gets tricky is in the idea of bridging that last step. So you, what you're talking about in the sponsorship and awareness really is the awareness game of like mm -hmm. getting people to be aware that you exist and hopefully people close the gap between awareness and then wanting to contact you. That's 
where advertising historically has kind of bridged that gap. Do you feel that that there are new ways to to bridge that gap that aren't as direct or overt as advertising? Or do you feel like the ones that are out there are still equally gauche? And some examples of that might be using lead gen form on a website or going and having content published on a, a social media platform that then directly links back to you to contact you, that sort of thing. First, I think the gap is not as large as it used to be. People, by and large, understand now if my business is sponsoring a charity event, they're not just aware of my name, they're aware of kind of what my business stands for, the clients that I'm likely to be surrounding myself with. And I think so. It's sort of a, a nuanced way of expressing your views on the world. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think so. In terms of other tools to bridge the gap, social media, in the broadest use of the term, I think is great, especially for publishing and putting out videos and commenting on in meaningful way in different groups and discussions. I think when you see somebody who's just like always posting on Facebook, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Yup, they are <laughs> technically kind of publishing on social media, but all it does is annoy everybody. And I think lead gen is tricky because it really does depend on the business. Yeah. If you went to a law firm website or you were Googling something and you got, hey, have you been hit up for back child support? We'd love to talk to you. <laughs> Fill out this form. <laughs> How did you know that? Yeah. It's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 No, it does. I mean, there's still that like kind of skeeviness factor that you very fine line between when you've encroached on somebody in a way where they're ready to hear that that information and when they may not be able to. And it unfortunately, in a case-by-case -case basis, maybe the same thing may hit two different people in a very different way and to not so great results for you. What I have observed is that the more somebody is afraid of being judged, the more they need a very personalized approach and the more you really have to market that relationship. So the less likely they are going to be to submit to a form. To your point, you could have somebody looking to hire an accountant and it's just very run of the mill for them. They need an accountant, fine, they'll fill out a form or they'll go to a website. If they have concerns about their finances or they're concerned about some tax fraud they may have committed, they're going to be a lot more reticent to fill out a form, to blindly contact somebody or to put it out on social media. They want to have kind of a pre-qualifying sense of the person that they're talking to before they spill whatever their concern is. I mean, I, I wonder though, you know, how you begin to how do you begin to break that down a little bit for people thinking about like what they might want to do or what tactic they might be employing that's the trick right now is that there isn't there's not a great rule set for this to guide people through that process and it's really that's kind of one of the conundrums where we are and if you look at some of the space that you the social media companies are exploring of like having it even being more there's a report recently at movie theaters how they've been targeting ads for you coming in based upon things that they can from your phone and from mm -hmm. other devices that are open. That's the kind of first in the minority report space <laughs> of advertising, but it isn't that people won't become accustomed to it. It's like how much can people digest before they, over time, and how long does that process have to be? So maybe the answer today is like having the form on my site and for sensitive information is the wrong answer, but it may be in a year, maybe people will feel differently. So it's it's interesting to see how that, that continues to shift. I mean, you have to look at all of the generational aspects and demographics and psychographics and there are always going to be groups of people that are more likely to be open about their information than others and more willing to just kind of put it out there. 
but I think people also like to feel like they're getting something that's a little bit exclusive. The more that they're paying, the more they want to feel that it's exclusive, which then makes the advertising tricky. Because if I put an ad in New York Magazine... Suddenly you're, you're common. Right, place. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what's the solution, Brian Jones? (laughs) The solution is, I think uh, we we focus on what's going to happen now. (laughs) I think... So the takeaway. Yeah. The takeaway for me is that it's okay to begin to explore new means to communicate with people and find that. Really look at who your customer base is and what where they are and what they're what they're reacting to and how they react to things to see if they're ready to receive certain kinds of messages or whether they're ready to be advertised to. Um, by beginning to try some things and as experiments, you will find the right spot for your business without risking your reputation. Yeah, that's... I think that's the most crucial thing is when somebody comes to you and says, we're offering a special on ads around the trash can. Evidently, I'm completely obsessed with trash cans today, but we're offering this ad space for free. Your first reaction is like, free ad space, I'll take it, without really thinking about the ramifications of having your business name on a trash can for a month. It's hard to come back from that. Yep. So just think about it. Now, we're going to move on to now. Things that are going on right now that are interesting and you should know about. Brian, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, So mine is uh, that Facebook has finally realized that one of the big annoyances of going to any site or any mobile experience is having the audio track from a video ad or video play immediately as you roll over it or as you load the page. So what they've done is they've added captions to all of their or they're in the process of adding captions to all their videos so that as you scroll past content, the video will auto play. However, it won't auto play the audio. So there's an opportunity for from the advertiser side, they have maybe a couple more seconds to grab you in and maybe draw you into their ad on the consumer side of things you're not necessarily subjected to the whimsy of audio that you may not have signed on for do you know if their pricing structure is going to be different for right do you get to opt in as an advertiser uh right now it's still testing but uh yeah i think the plan is is to have it globally added for videos that have so it'll be required i believe that's right i think it's a good move it and i i wish that more sites that incorporate video advertising would not forcibly subject you to the audio tracks because how many times have you been someplace and you're like where's that audio coming from and you realize that you left a tab open and suddenly it has this <laughs> video playing and you're like no or you're listening to something and the, the volume for the ad is always super yes. jacked up lots of tears what's now for you the minister of communications in japan i will say his name but my apologies if i get it wrong sane takaichi takachi my apologies he has been talking a lot lately about the broadcast law and the radio law in Japan. Those laws were put in place. They're they're sort of similar to the laws that we have in the United States, but they're really significantly different in one aspect, which I think makes them really interesting. The law says people speaking on TV or on the radio have to remain politically neutral. And this was to avoid the government or special interests coming in and taking over the media. Well, now the Minister of Communication is saying that if you even reference a political thought or position or you describe a particular ideology in the course of doing a story that you're not remaining politically neutral. If you have however many of these offenses, more than one, then the government is empowered to shut down your network for up to three
three months. Wow. I guess while you think about what you did. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That just went into effect today. He's saying that he will be cracking down on that. Japanese legal scholars are saying that's complete misinterpretation of the spirit of the law, what it was supposed to do, and you're actually using it to counter purposes. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And a really interesting exercise, I think, is for everyone to watch, I don't know, five minutes, (laughs) 10 minutes of any program. A minute? (laughs) Yeah. Any news program where you live and count the seconds before if you were in Japan, it would be in violation of this law. I find that really fascinating that the idea of neutrality is really kind of it's like the golden unicorn of ideas because really because of your background, because of your education, because of your upbringing, whatever, you're going to come at anything with your own biases and your own ideas about the world and that gets referenced in the language that you choose and the way that you speak about things. The idea that you could really ever truly come at something with neutrality is kind of interesting. And who's neutrality and what, you know, who's deciding that one person's version is they get to decide. It's just a very difficult standard, I think, to really achieve. Well, even things like I, the censor, have determined that your inflection changed when you said this word. Or I noticed that your eyebrow raised ever so slightly. Think about all the traits that various newscasters have and you know exactly how they feel about a story, whether or not they articulate that in words. Quickly, there is a whole new range of consultants coming on board in Japan to <laughs> guide people through <laughs> neutral sounding text and uh, I tell phrasing. you what, robots. Yep. This is absolutely bring it. Just robots are going to be doing the news in Japan and like within weeks. It just happened. It probably did. So that's what's happening for me now. Let's talk about next. What's coming up? Brian, what do you got? So I was kind of captivated by this new app called DataMade for a couple of reasons. DataMade is a very simple app that allows you to take video and photo clips in quick succession without having to worry about the kind of story that you might be telling. So think of it as a modern day photo album, but in a little bit more animated and cohesive fashion. So if you wanted to share the story of your trip up a mountain, you would take the photos as you went along without worrying about how it was all going to go together. And then DataMade would take those pieces and stitch it together into a cohesive piece for people to look at. So you could share your experience with people um, through this component. So we'll, sh- we'll share some of the stories that uh, they have yeah, shared online. Cool. So d- it does it chronologically, just in order that you've taken the pictures, it, or does it look for things in the picture? It allows you to sort quickly on the piece, but the whole point of it is that if you're just trying to have the experience rather than being uh, worried about like, did I get gotcha. the perfect picture of this or did I sequence this all right, it keeps track of all the pieces so that it makes it easier for you to share without not actually experiencing the thing because for anyone that's been in a a significant space or a significant event to see the person focusing on taking their image rather than focusing on being present I I find this kind of fascinating but it brings up a little bit of a different topic for me because the idea of when you look at this the designs of all the pieces are very similar so you end up with a a very um, consistent looking presentation of the idea always like kind of a template sort of thing pretty much yeah so our are we moving into the space where you there will be this sort of baseline component that's very similar, but the luxury is the is variance. It seems like that's where we kind of are repeating the loop of when 
products went from being very bespoke products to like bulk purchase of a product. And now the thing that has come around is like these very uh, artisan, streamlined products that you can buy. So I think the same thing is happening in the digital space, but this is kind of the first example of that on the broad spectrum. That's cool. When you think about tangible photo albums, like old school, with the exception of the covers, they more or less all look and work the same, which then birthed the omnipresent scrapbooking movement, which was solely focused on making these really unique, customized things. Mm -hmm. Then that got so big that we then created templates for the scrapbookers, the same stickers so they could all have the same stickers. It is a Mobius strip. I'll tell you what. Back to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always. That's cool. So it's out now? Yes, it is. Okay. So what's next for you? So what's next for me is also what's next for all of humanity. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Brace yourself. Uh, The National Science Foundation announced today. Yeah, they're still... I'm looking at my watch. Like As of right now. Okay, they're still still open. Yes, they're they're still open. Science, still a thing. They have announced that they have been able to detect gravitational wave, which is a really significant thing because gravitational waves are part of Einstein's general theory of relativity, and they'd never been able to actually detect them. So it's everyone believed that they were there, hoped they were there, but now they can prove it, which means that they'll be able to explore all kinds of other really cool things about the universe and black holes and where we come from. And it's really, really exciting. And they were observed by two land-based observatories in the U.S., one in Washington State and one in Louisiana. They worked together to do this. Very cool. Yay, science. It's a good day for science. It is. And it's officially, which it won't be by the time this comes out, but today is officially uh, Women and Girls in Science Day. Coincidence? I think not. Probably not. Probably not. Well, I think that wraps it up for today. We really appreciate you listening to this episode and we hope that you will share it with a friend or two. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Visit the website at graphicmachine.com slash ITTT or visit us through social media at facebook.com slash graphicmachineinc is the studio Facebook page where we post a, the episode and also get feedback from people. There's our Twitter handle at Graphic Machine and at their podcast is the show's uh, Twitter handle. Until next week, 